Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Okay, Flyover family, buckle up. Uh, you want to get a pen ready, get some paper ready. You might want to get a Kleenex ready. Um, you're going to learn a little bit. You're definitely going to feel a lot. And so hopefully your, your mind is open and uh, uh, ready to take in some information. We have somebody that I would love to do about half a dozen podcasts on lots of different topics from fatherhood to professional athletes and you know mental toughness and all kinds of different categories. Um, we're going to break stereotype of dumb jock just a little bit because we have a, a PhD, formal number one, uh, seventh pick in the first dra- uh, round of the draft uh, by the Green Bay Packers, Hall of Fame, offensive lineman, Super Bowl uh, champion with us today, Ken Rutgers. Yeah. so great to be here with you guys. You guys are so much fun. You make this a blast. Uh, thank you. We are honored to have you join us today. It's good to be here. And, and didn't kind of break that stereotype. We, we'd love to be joined by smart jocks. You know, <laughs> uh, from, Well, you set the bar high. Now I've got to come, come to Mark on it. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Well, we have a, a couple of pictures here of your playing career. And, I, we're, and we're going to get to some kind of serious topics, but we can't have you on and not address your, your, your career with the Packers, played with Brett Favre, you're, you're drafted in the first round. And, um, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, we kind of have an a, a affiliation a little bit with with the Packers. They're sort of the NFC version of us a little bit, started football one. And uh, uh, we've been to, you know, games at Lambeau. Packers have really are, good friends. Packers are, are coming Packers to, to Arrowhead next year, so they'll fly down. Come our best friends, Steve and Sandy Rodriguez, they live in, in Green Bay. And it, it's been an interesting thing when we've been, we've been in Brazil and Mexico, we've been in Europe. And there's always Packers fans. Always. So, Everywhere we go. And so we'll do a thing. We'll be like, you know, hey, can we take a selfie with you? We'll, we send it to him. I'm like, hey, we're in, we're in, you know, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And, and here's somebody and they're wearing a Packers hat. And we send it to them in Green Bay for a town of like 300,000 or something or whatever, you know, Green Bay, the city is. They have a global footprint and a, a, a fan base that's just unreal. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, anywhere I go to, I run into Packer fans, and if they're over fifty, they still they still might recognize me. But uh, that's awesome. They're great. I mean, they're the greatest people in the world, you know. And, and uh, that's that flyover that you guys are, yep. you know, that that resonates with all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's and it was such great um, great time to to play and and be part of that. But yeah, but Andy Reid was in Green Bay. Love Andy Reid. He's, you know, with Mm -hmm. Kansas Chiefs now, but he was in Green Bay. And Barry Rubens, who's the strength coach, been there at Kansas City for years. He was in Green Bay as as, uh, an assistant strength coach and loved that. Just great people. And was really glad to see Andy and the rest of the crew win win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But, you know, of course, you know, I have friends on on the Eagles too, so that was kind of tough. But Sure. Yeah, it's a small family probably. (laughs) It is. At at, at that point, you know, to go from, you know, a a college, you know, like like USC, there's probably about as many people – went to your school or lived in your, in your neighborhood as we're in the town of green Bay. That had been a huge transition. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in California and Bakersfield and then, and then went down to USC and then got drafted by green Bay and Wisconsin. And it was, it was a change. Now it was really interesting, you know, as, as a sociologist, like in California, Southern California, if somebody says, hi, you know, you kind of check your pockets to make sure your wallet is still there. And, you know, and then, and then you go to Wisconsin, you know, in the Midwest and it's just great people. You know, there's not, not a lot of fences separating people. Yep. People are, you know, uh, uh, you know, get the snow blower out, blow some snow in the winter. And, and, you know, if you could beat your neighbor to the widow's driveway and blow hers too. I mean, that was, that was yeah. kind yeah. of how we did it. And then you come out to Oregon and, I, and I, at first I thought, Hey man, these people are just as friendly and, 
and they are they're friendly out here in Oregon but you know there's that kind of that Oregon trail thing where it's like they're friendly up to their property line and then once you, <laughs> and then once, you once you get up to that property line they're like state your business <laughs> <laughs> It's it, you know, I'd, I'd regularly talk to people that are like, man, I was in a bar and had a beer with Brett Favre one night, oh, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Like he would just well, kind of show Steve up. And Sandy, yeah. got to know a lot of the the Packers players, tons of players. Yeah, yeah they would they would meet him, and it's a small community. You can't go out to dinner or something. I mean, there's only so many places to go. You're going to see yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you go out to dinner. I mean, it's a fishbowl, but uh, you know, either embrace it or or you're kind of on the other end of it. But it's hard not to. I mean, the people are so great, and and Brett Favre. I mean, he's. He's just exactly what you think, you know, what you see is what you get with him. He's just a good old boy. And, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He's, you know, I don't know. He's going through some, uh, some tough times right now, but, uh, but he'll weather the storm. Yeah. Sure. He kind of seems tough. like one he's of these tough. like old school guys that would have played for free. Like those guys that, you know, sold life insurance in the off season, you know, so they could you know play in the regular, you know, and did it. You kind of did an interesting thing in the process. Like, uh, you, you authored a book and you were kind of mm-hmm. focused a little bit while you were playing on the next thing. And it seemed like you also had an awareness maybe of the responsibility of the platform or the fact you had a platform mm-hmm. gave you a voice, you know, to make an impact around you. It wasn't like, hey, just mm-hmm. me and I'm making money and I'm a big deal. You seem to have, have known that you had a responsibility to steward that platform as you went through it. There's a copy of your book, The Home Field Advantage, that you wrote, I think, while still a player. I was. I was a player. You know, Charles Barkley had come out uh, around that time and said, you know, hey, role, we're not role models. Parents should be. And I kept getting asked about that during off seasons and, you know, in the gym uh, back home. And I thought, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think you're chosen, you know, and there's a responsibility mm. that goes with that status and an opportunity to to impact. But, of course, you know, I mean, you still don't have as much influence. And that's why I tried to encourage dads because I'd have parents come up to me and say, hey, can you talk to my kid? And I'm like, sure, I can. But, man, you've got that daily yeah, you know, ability to pour yeah. in little tablespoons mm-hmm. of influence, and and a lot of times, you know, parenting, you know, it's caught, not necessarily always yeah. taught. So, yeah, that, just man, tried that's to, so true. Yeah, just tried to encourage dads, especially you know the sports fan dads, to to you know, you, you don't have to be a superstar like a Michael Jordan or a Reggie White or a Brett Favre to, to have the biggest impact in your own kids' lives. So if somebody wants to get your book, where can they get your book still today? Gee, I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Probably just do an Amazon search. Yeah. Cool. That is awesome. So tell us, what did you do after football? Where Where did a, the road go after football? Well, you know, I retired and we were living in Green Bay and our kids were, you know, most of them were, were old enough to be in grade school. And, and uh, the transition, it was challenging. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. identity and that shift. And, and so I thought, well, you know, I'll help my wife become a really good house, housewife. <laughs> Come home, give her some supervision. Oh, oh my gosh. Our producer oh, was, found it. Yeah. yeah, no, that wasn't, that wasn't working very well. It, and, and so, uh, the publishing company that, uh, published the book, uh, became good friends with, with the owner and the, uh, you know, and, and, uh, the people there, great company, Multnomah and publishers. And to save my marriage, we I took a job full time, <laughs> and it was you know I was thirty five, thirty six when when I took you know when I retired and transitioned, took that job, and you know it was a you know I, I, after about six months, I, I came to my buddy who owned the company and said, God, I'm exhausted, man. I when's the off season? And he just said, no, we don't have off seasons in the real world. <laughs> now you know I think about this like I don't know what it would be like just one time you know to walk on the field at USC, you know the sound and the noise and the celebrity vibe of it and the sticking the sword in the field, all that. Then you spend, you know, 
more than a decade doing that on the, the professional level, you know, you know, 16, oh, like 17, 18 times a year. And you know, was, I think it was New, New Orleans, you won your Super Bowl and like the, the fireworks. Like, it's kind of hard to have a career <laughs> where you get that kind of a, you know, build up crescendo rush and then a, a Would down. you wake up in the morning and your wife would be like, yay, kid! Yay! <laughs> you walk in the door, here he is, 6'5", 315, walking in from the grocery store, straight from the Hy-Vee, Ken Rutger, you know. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, and I did do some coaching those first few years, and so that was fun, you know. Kind That's of awesome. My, yeah, so it was fun to coach high school kids, and, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But it was good. It was a great learning experience. Learned a lot about myself. I mean, which, when we, when we put ourselves out there, you know, that's a great opportunity yeah. to, sure. to, to, yeah, learn a little something. And then when did you get your PhD? Did you get it before you started football, or? No, no, I got my master's in business while I was playing in the offseason, and then I took a job, you know, with the with the publishing company, and then I had a teammate who, uh was in transition, was having a really tough time and, and kind of went off the deep end, got into a, a, a police standoff, was unarmed and got shot eight times mm. and died. Oh. And yeah. And we, a bunch of offensive linemen, we got on the phone and started talking and we kind of chalked it up to, uh, to transition. And so mm. we talked about how hard it was for all of us and, and, uh, and just had, you know, some, some real uh, honest conversations. And so I started doing some research and I thought, wow, is anybody doing anything? The NFL had done some, some put together some great programs for guys when they were in the in the league playing, but mm-hmm. nothing for retired guys. And so, I went back and got my PhD and did a um, a formal dissertation and study on sport career transition, trying to find that that silver silver bullet or that magic pill you could take. Yeah, but, you know, tra- it, tra- transitions is just tough. It is. It's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. If I were to have a, if I was going to host a banquet or something and invite. Uh, everyone who was a first round draft pick, Super Bowl champion, PhD. I wonder how big of a ballroom I would need uh, to book I to have how everyone. Often that uh, maybe I think I could probably have it at a Waffle House. Uh, yeah, not too. And maybe not a too small long. booth. <laughs> yeah. That is a pretty small club you're in. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, and, and like you, I said, very fortunate. Very, I'm very fortunate. And you caught you caught you taught at the college level. Is that right? Yeah, I taught. Uh, there was a. I live in Bend, Oregon, so a smaller community, although it's growing because it's a nice Beautiful. place to live. And mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, so just I thought I'd try my hand because uh, I, I I did do some transition sport career transition work as a nonprofit for about eight years, and then just kind of got burnt out, and and uh, so transitioned and in, into uh, teaching uh, eventually full time, uh, and and just. Uh, retired full-time a year ago now I teach part-time but uh, with social science department chair and so yeah a lot a lot of great challenges uh, a guy that I had helped with his transition who was a running back for the New York Giants he came out and now he runs the program at the league uh, and okay. so uh, and the, the league started a transition program uh, about seven eight years ago and so he's hey you want to come you know help me get this program going. So, so I do some of that on the side as well. Now, Cam, for those of us listening, uh, you're, you're talking about transitioning from being a professional athlete to being, uh, in the civilian, you know, community, uh, out there, a little different context day when you say helping somebody with their transition. That's true. Because of with it, with everything that's going with, on with, in the world, with, 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 with the trans community and so many people transing and transitioning and transitioning and changing from one thing to another, <laughs> yeah. like that context probably means something different than when you started that in you the know, in, it in, does. In 80s. It does. And yeah. And it's interesting. I've about the last four or five months. It's, it's uh yeah, it's probably not the right word to use these days. Unfortunately, it, it's kind of been um, taken over. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It has been, it's been, it's been uh, 
yeah, been taken over. So <laughs> that's for yeah, sure. But yeah, sport, sport career transition. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. When helping guys, you know, yeah. uh, have a better, you know, guys that are playing in, in, in any sport or any elite mm-hmm. um, sport, whether it's Olympics or, or football or hockey or basketball, you know, they spend so much time for good reason, being the best they can be. And, and so when they're done playing, uh, our goal is to help them do greater things beyond the game than yeah. they ever thought mm-hmm. about doing in the game. And and that's part of community and their family and, and give them back if they have that inclination. And probably similar to what of. veterans experience, you know, Hey, it's yeah. like, hey, I spent my whole life learning how to uh, blow things up. And like you spend your whole life learning how to move big people, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. what do I do next? I'm really good at this thing. And how right. do I, you know, move that here? That's a, that's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it's very mission-oriented. So sports is very mission-oriented, especially at the higher levels, kind of win-at-all-cost kind of thing. And so is the so is military, so is right. police, fire, mm-hmm. first responders, yeah, yep. um, entertainment. Yeah, so I re- it resonates with a lot. In fact, I just uh, spoke last night at a leadership conference for, for a local police department and, you know, can relate to them um, and have a lot of sympathy for our police uh, officers today. They got a tough go. Yeah, for sure. So in January 2021, your life kind of changed. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened in January of 2021? Yeah, so it, it, it did. It changed. Uh, and we've all, man, our lives, all of our lives have changed mm-hmm. the last three years. But in January 2021, my wife was uh, in, she's, she just, just recently got her master's degree in counseling, but she was in an internship program. And so to keep going down that educational track and to keep her hours, she was had a lot of pressure on her to take the vaccine. And so she took the first Moderna shot uh, in January and within 48 hours had swollen lymph nodes and tingling and pain on her, on her scalp and face. And then that just progressed and, and uh, a lot of severe neurological reactions to that. So, yeah, it was, uh, and it's been a life changer for for her, for us, um, Mm -hmm. our family. Yeah. Now that was early on. So how'd you start kind of connecting it? Were you like, how did you know it was how a vaccine, we, vaccine? I mean, how did you guys figure that out? Because you, you're going through this process. This is early on. Now we kind of maybe know some of these 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 symptoms and triggers. But you, we like, is this something you ate? Is this something wrong? Why is she feeling this way? What's going on? And then you, you know, talk about that process. Yeah. And, and discovery. Well, you know, she, yeah, she, she's so she was so healthy. I mean, she mm-hmm. was active, uh, exercising, uh, mountain biking, running, jogging, walk. I mean, she was very healthy. So all of a sudden, the only thing that was different is she took the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so within 24, 48 hours, and she'd been to the hospital emergency room a couple different times over the course of the, the following two weeks, but it, it was pretty clear to us. Um, and so she'd gone to see a neurologist or the first neurologist she saw, uh, the neurologist said, well, I don't know, you know, maybe you should take the second shot and see. And Oh, <laughs> what? I know. And she got rid of that neurologist right away. <laughs> Smart yeah. woman. Yeah. And the the next neurologist thought, okay, yeah, there's something here, even though you're right. You get, it was, it was early on and not real, um, that, that information was not public, public domain yet. But, uh, so she started doing her own research and I mean, it was, it's the irony of the last three years, but certainly the last 15 years, the irony out there is just dripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to see it, it's just dripping uh, common sense. You can see it. But so she was searching. The, she was searching the internet, looking for any kind of answers, any kind of clues. Am I the only one right. that has had these neurological reactions? <clears throat> and she found a Neurology Today article where Tony Fauci 
said, no, there's no, there's no neurological issues from this vaccine. But at the end, a doctor, Dr. De- Denise Hertz, had left a, uh, a note, a comment at the bottom and accidentally left her email. And so my really? wife contacted her, yeah, by accident and just fate would have oh. uh, put them together. And within a couple months, this, this group of two and then her and Denise and then a few more. And pretty soon this group had grown to, to dozens and then over 150 and, and, uh, trying to figure out they'd con- tried to contact media, tried to contact, mm-hmm. um, politicians to no avail and, uh, Facebook and, uh, Twitter and all these other, uh, they started shutting down these groups and, and my wife's group, uh, she, they were concerned about getting shut down themselves. So it was getting near the end of the school year in spring of 2021. And I said, well, I'll start a website for you and you guys can share your stories without the fear. And so That's you at least yeah. Have, yeah. A, have a voice. Yeah. And uh, so they, they, within a few weeks, they had over a hundred stories of people that had um, been hurt and injured by the vaccine and they gave people a chance to be heard. I mean, if you got mm-hmm. that going on and nobody believes you, that's a real psychological, uh, that, that's not good. So no. we gave people a chance to, without the fear of getting canceled. So there's, they stayed connected. Yeah. They had a voice. Um, and all they wanted to be was they wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen and mm-hmm. they wanted to be believed, you know, and, uh, and so I started doing some interviews. I interviewed Maddie DeGarry. I mean, a lot of people um, in this space know who that is and uh, interviewed her and her mom, Stephanie. And I was edit- editing and I, and I had started to do some, some, um, inter- you know, some interviewing and putting it on, on the, uh, it was C19VaxReactions.com. And so I started putting it up there on that website, that, which is what I started for them. And I was editing uh, the, this little twelve-year-old girl who was in a wheelchair in a feeding tube, and I just—I was—I'm a wow. I was—I oh, got 12. emotional. I was—I was in yeah. tears. Yeah, and I thought, gosh, you know, what a great opportunity for a politician. It just seems such, like such low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And all the, and all of a sudden, Senator Ron Johnson comes to my mind. I'd never met him. I didn't know him. I just remember in my, in my memory thinking, yeah, you know, I remember hearing him on some interviews. He seems like a good man, a reasonable guy. Uh, so I cold called his office, kind of explained to the receptionist kind of, and, uh, (laughs) and one of his assistants called, called me back and, and just to verify I was really Ken Rutgers who (laughs) used to play with the Packers. I said, yeah. And then he called me that night. Yeah, go ahead. I was saying he's from Wisconsin yeah. as well, so there's you know yeah. there's, that's yeah. pretty cool. He's yeah, over fifty, so, yeah. so he knew who you were. He kind of right. <laughs> you, you hit you hit his his Perfect wheelhouse sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's over fifty, in Wisconsin, and and so yeah, through the Packer, you know, the Packer status thing, and yeah, and so, and so um, then that was on a Thursday. On Sunday, he said, "I'll you know let's get onto YouTube. I'm curious." Let me hear from from this group. And there were 60 vaccine injured people, mostly wow. women. I mean, mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and we knew that early, early in 2021. But now mm-hmm. the data is starting to come out. And, you know, it's almost uh, twice as many women are affected wow. by this vaccine. Um, 
with what, yeah, what kind of guys. side effects can are you finding a majority of the women? Are they all, are they, do they range or what are some of the things that you're finding? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, so there's the, there's the cardiovascular issues yeah. for women, a lot of neurological issues. So, uh, POTS, um, myo, myo, uh, uh, or fibromyalgia, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know the yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's kind of a, yeah, so it's a lot of immune type responses, mm-hmm. autoimmune disease type responses wow. and tingling, sh- some shaking. A lot of them complain about internal electrification. And the best that, that I can tell you is that uh, they describe it as if you've ever, t- <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you remember as a, a little kid putting your tongue on those little nine volt. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going through your whole body. Going through. We're your both body. the wow. youngest in our family. So. Oh yeah, we we both did that. We we learned we learned about that and and a card a card game called fifty two pickup. Fifty two card pickup. Only we, one time uh, did I play it. Though. We grew up on those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Well, yeah, you, you you were the victim of your older siblings, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's educational. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it um, wow. you know, and, and most of them are doing pretty good. Now, when I say pretty good, you know, they're they're managing their symptoms, mm-hmm. you know. And and my wife would say for her, she would say she's one of the lucky unlucky ones because because uh, you know, even though she has some serious um, neurological symptoms, she's still dealing with. I mean, some of the people mm-hmm. that are you know they're they're use, having to use walkers now to, wow. to just you know, or they're in wheelchairs or. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're in pain. Uh, some of the, some of it's ten, tinnitus with the ears. Um, mm-hmm. A lot, lot of it, you know, some of it's vision, um, brain fog early on. So yeah, all those are all the symptoms um, that are pretty typical. I'm sure so, I missed a few. But so, yeah. so you jump, you jumped on a Zoom with Ron Johnson, and you, you had you had some of that community together, and sharing stories, sharing stories, and he's mm-hmm. just kind of just taking it in and, and exploratory. Where was he in this journey at that point? Well, he had he had. I, I, unbeknownst to me, he has already started kind of questioning some of the policies and mandates and things like that. <clears throat> I didn't know that it just was fate that, that, uh, the Lord that brought us together. And yeah. he actually had brought Peter McCullough, the doctor into the zoom as well. And, and Dr. McCullough had texted him in the middle of this and said, I can't believe this. The, um, cause about 12 to 15 people had shared their stories with all their symptoms and, and Dr. McCullough knew, but he didn't know the extent. He was he was flabbergasted by wow. the extent of the symptoms and by yep. the number of people. Yeah, and uh, and then and then Senator Johnson said, "Well, you know, if you guys want to uh, risk it, you can speak out. Uh, I can put together a um, a press conference for you in Milwaukee at the at the federal courthouse." And so a couple of weeks later, we went <laughs> we went out there. To uh, yeah, it's a picture of my wife mm-hmm. at, at the press conference, and um, and they shared their stories, and I thought, wow, this is you know, we thought, okay, probably probably this will be you know the thing that breaks the ice, and yeah. breaks the dam, because nobody really stood out, spoken out, stood up and, and done mm-hmm. what these courageous five women and and Maddie DeGary, the little twelve year old, she was there as well with her mom and um. And we thought, oh, you know, the, certainly, if, you know, once they know, once right. the public knows, once the NIH and the FDA and the CDC know, certainly, you know, will be believed and then mm-hmm. we'll start getting help and other people will, will be forewarned. And yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was, I, I guess it was a, a bit of um, 
Pollyannish, foolish thinking um, because that did not happen. But um, did you feel a little bit like maybe you're like at an airport or on a plane and you see somebody with a knife or a weapon and you're like, hey, I need to alert somebody. They need to know this is happening. And you feel like you're probably going to be like, oh, thank you. And mm-hmm. Here's what we can do. And here's the, you know, did you feel like it was going to be that kind of response? And, and you're and you're kind of, you know, what what kind of response did say, you get? What kind of response did you get? Like what were what what did the media not seen do? Any, what did I've not like, seen you on any parade floats yet, but no. maybe I missed it. <laughs> no, 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 you know, I thought for sure, you know, there'd be a bunch of questions because here, yeah. here all these ladies were from all over the country. And uh there were maybe three questions asked, uh, who paid for your flights? Uh are you gonna wow. sue anybody? And they had just shared, you know, the ravages of what they've been through and their symptoms. And you had a little 12 year old girl in the wheelchair. And now there were some, some teary eyes, but those were the people that were operating the cameras, but not the, but not the reporters. It was, and, you know, and then they came and they asked me a little bit, you know, Senator Johnson, I mean, he, you know, he took the arrows on that and, and he did say, you know, Ken, you might end up getting some arrows. And I said, you know, it's all right, because. Um, I doubt it'll be a tougher question than than uh, after a Minnesota Vikings game and giving up a couple sacks in a two minute <laughs> offense and saying, yeah. you know, what do you got to say for That's yourself? some serious you, you, stuff there. Yeah, you lost the game. What the heck? Yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. That's that's about as tough as it's. So but he, but you know, Senator Johnson, that you know, and they were, you know, they had more questions and more demonizing arrows they were throwing at him than. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, and then of course around that same time. Uh, my wife and a few of the other ladies in that um, press conference, they were being studied by the NIH. And so the NIH had actually started a study on that. And finally that study came out just a few months ago. So it took about a year and a half and, and all of, all of the, the people in my wife's group that were part of that study, they could actually identify themselves like patient number one, patient, my wife was patient number five. And the conclusions of the study were absolutely false and fabricated. And we're talking to NIH and I'm like, that. it it is unless you're in it and you see it for yourself. It's just, you, you can't believe it. Also, this group of ladies got on, uh, several Zoom calls starting in the summer of 2021 with the FDA. And they've done mm-hmm. probably five or six with Janet Woodcock and Peter Marks, the people that are really running this running this vaccine program for, for, for COVID. And uh, they they were well aware uh, that that this vaccine was was causing neurological reactions. And and the group asked them, Well, would you please you know, would you please tell the neurological community, the yeah. doctors that that because you've got these women that are going to, to doctors with these neurological conditions and these doctors that that don't know that that there are you know there's reaction uh, right you know it's 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 rare but it happens um, and it's unfortunately it's not as rare as as you would hope it would be for for mm-hmm. va- for for the typical vaccine but mm-hmm. uh, and and they refuse to do it and so a lot of these. Wow. And so, yeah, so a lot of these these uh, people, mostly women, again, that would go, they were getting gaslit and they were getting diagnosed with mental health issues. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I know. It just is. is uh, and it, it, and it, again, because of the work, this, we wouldn't be in this situation for a, a lot of reasons. But one, we talk about censorship with social media platforms. 
isolation. So if someone feels like, well, if, if this was happening, it's only I, me. I mean, if, if this was happening, me, I probably yeah. would have heard more about it. Right. You know, and then the media, mainstream media. And so when you, I don't care what channel you watch, if you watch Fox News, you're Sean Hannity brought to you by Pfizer. You know, it's like when you're big enough to buy everybody, mm-hmm. you know, we saw FTX, the, the Sam, the Sam Bankman freed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when, when you, when you can buy every lever of society, you can kind of do what you want. You know, uh, when you're having lunch with the, you know, Fed chair, people that are supposed to be overseeing you and you're having lunch with them, you know, it's kind of like, well, you kind of can get away with what you want. And people think, well, if, if, if this guy was a problem, we probably would have heard something about it. I'll invest in that. Or, you know, you see Tom Brady endorsing it on a Super Bowl ad. It was must be legit. And, well, and so and, and nobody has more money than the pharmaceutical industry. And so it, 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 this couldn't happen if it wasn't for censorship and media coverage, because if everybody that this was dealing with this in an isolated manner got together, there would be outrage in every city that would look like the parade we had after the Chiefs Super Bowl last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, every down, every downtown, <laughs> except it'd probably be more sober. But um, <laughs> but but every every downtown would be full of people demanding answers. Yeah, well, you know, and, and our government paid a lot of money. Um, the NFL alumni took three and a half million dollars and paid and paid some of the Hall of Famers to early on to in, basically endorse the it's safe and effective that kind of mantra. You know, you had Sesame mm-hmm. Street characters coming on. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just it's it's gosh, I, you know, I hate to be so cliche, but it's evil. It mm-hmm. really it is. is evil. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the censorship, yeah, uh, and the fear, the fear-mongering, the fear porn that was out there, um, paying people, social media people, uh, entertainers, people with high status, athletes to, mm-hmm. to promote this thing. And and I feel kind of bad for the athlete because the athletes are just telling, saying what they've been told. Right. Sure. And, sure. And, and probably and, feel like uh, they're doing a good thing. It's yeah. like, hey, this yeah. is good for people mm-hmm. and people are hesitant. And mm-hmm. hey, I'll, I'll use my platform to to help them make a good choice. I mean, they're yeah. kind of they're kind of being played. Has there been a lot of pressure, Ken, on the athletes to take the vaccination? What have you seen there? Because I know that you obviously uh, are a former athlete and you work with athletes a lot. What, what's going on with that? Yeah, well, we, well, John, John Stockton and I, the NBA great um, and, and NBA basketball Hall of Famer, he and I started uh over a year and a half ago, started a group, uh, Voices for Medical Freedom, and we started getting calls from different athletes. I got and uh, sometimes it was parents. So I got calls from from moms of. I got a mm-hmm. call from a from a mom whose son was a first round draft pick quarterback for an NFL team, and I'm thinking, gee. Um, oh wow! And, and, and it's like, man, I wish I had a solution. I talked to college. Uh, I think sometimes the college athletes had it tougher because, at least in the NFL, the NFLPA, the Players Association, yeah, you know, they were able to push back against the league itself mm-hmm. and carve out at least a niche, like Aaron Rodgers, you know, was able right. to, you know, and, and a few other players, you know, were able mm-hmm. to say, well, I'm not going to take the the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the shot. So you have to, you know. It's a it's a two tiered medical apartheid system. Even within the NFL locker room, uh, that mm-hmm. first uh, yeah, they got rid of they, you know not this last year but the year before, and uh, but the colleges and there are still colleges out there that that uh, there are there are colleges that are still asking uh, their students that you know to get vaccinated and boosted or 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 leave. You're, wow. you're done. Yeah, I mean Dartmouth. I know Dartmouth, um, Yale. Um, 
you know, they're asking their students and here we are. It's like, man, the, the science and the data is mm-hmm. out there. And the last place, I mean, the, the place you'd think science would be embraced and studied and, and accepted real science, not, not, uh, yeah. propaganda science mm-hmm. or religious science, you know, science that becomes a religion. Um, right. You think those places would uh, do it too, but you know, even mm-hmm. gosh, even, you know, uh, at the college that I teach at, um, Shoot, it, they didn't put in place a mandate until uh, May of 2022, and I thought, man, that is really weird. That is so late in right. in, in right. the process. Something's something's going on. I don't well, know what on, it was on two on two fronts because it's late on. Well, you see the, the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and everybody getting COVID, and they you were know vaccinated, and they're, right. they're just, let's just say that their their uh, vaccination status, the cards all, all checked off. Um, and then you kind of look around like there's a lot of ways to treat this, you know, with, with, you know, and not end up in a hospital and there's a lot of good information there. So it's like, it's like two different things happening at the same time. And how will you come up with the conclusion of, Hey, we for sure need to take something that might be risky. That doesn't seem to be really helping the people that are taking it. And there seems to be a lot of good alternatives, you know, and then implement a policy where you got to force people to take it. It, uh, yeah. Doesn't it yeah. doesn't make common sense? No, it doesn't. And and uh, you know, I had sent in, I'd sent the president several studies of um, of you know, kind of that negative efficacy that was happening, where people that were getting that took the shots and were getting boosted started mm-hmm. uh, to have and show that they were more susceptible to getting COVID. Right. So the science was starting to come you know, to the forefront, if you were, if you had eyes to see, mm-hmm. and if you had ears to hear, you know, you could see mm-hmm. it, but, um, and, and it, it really interesting, right? So in, in conversations, it's like, well, you know what, we're just following the CDC recommendations. And then you go to the CDC and the CDC says, well, we're only recommending it. It's, it's your boss or your college or the, or the government, you know, or your state. And then you go back to them. Everybody's say, pointing well, no, fingers just- to each other. Yeah, well, not me, exactly. it's them. A lot of atrocities throughout history have, have taken place by people just following orders, yeah. you know, and you figure, well, I don't want to be the only one that's standing up, but you don't know others are standing up when you're censored on social media and platforms and newspapers and outlets. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's the, there's this image of what's happening, you know, and then there's what's really happening yeah. in people's lives. As long as they can keep you isolated, locked at home and your mouth covered and you can't say anything, you know, uh, or they see you, you know, you can, you can kind of get by with a lot, but some things, some weeds kind of pop up through the cracks of the sidewalk. And, uh, you got people like, like Aaron Rodgers and others that kind of became a fly in the soup a little bit and, and forced a conversation to the table. Now, whether people, you know, like that or not, it forced them to have a mm-hmm. conversation, which science would tend to push you towards thinking you would you would put two pieces of information, let them compete, and you'd clearly come up with a good choice. Religion would say, this is what it is, mm-hmm. and nobody can question it. This is orthodoxy. And that this had more of a religious cult feel than it ever did science. But what was happening in your circles, and you know, you don't share anything out of that you can't, but you know, you're you're in a very elite club of professional athletes. What what but you know we don't see this on the media because on the media it came across if you watch Sports Center or any of those kind of things it's like hey this vaccine's the best thing since vitamin C right um how was it behind the scenes where people like man this we should tiptoe into this cautiously and what kind of communication was there behind the scenes if any 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I think um, you know, for retired athletes, it's a, it was a lot easier to get on board. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we're a l- little bit more independent. Uh, we're not f- worried about getting fired for saying something we shouldn't say, uh, especially in football. Football's pretty locked down. It's about as close to kind of a military culture as you're going to yeah. get in, sp- mm-hmm. in sports. It's pretty regimented. Uh, but even guys that are retired, you know, if you are if you're still out there making money on social media or you're working uh, for a league or you're working in sports broadcasting, you know, that wasn't a real popular. I mean, man, the people, the, the powers that be that were that were putting this whole thing together and making sure the media was towing the line and, and the pr- level of propaganda and fear. And the fact that we had this cancel culture going that and, and that cancel yeah. culture was going before COVID hit, but it, it just it went mm-hmm. off the charts uh, uh, when when COVID hit and pe- and out of fear. I think a lot of it just so um, fearful. And I think part mm-hmm. of that um, is well, um, Desmond Mat- Matias, right, talking about mass formation when that came out. That podcast came out. He was talking about more of a social psychological aspect of of how we all started. You know, not not all of us, but. A, mass formation right. of belief of people yep. buying into it and uh, just dividing families and neighbors mm-hmm. and friends. And yeah. uh, it got pretty ugly. It has. We've had a lot of conversation over these last couple of years with people where families have been divided, where they, they can't even get together. They can't see their family because they're not vaccinated. Or, you know, initially it was, uh, you know, with they weren't wearing a mask, you know, all these different things like major division within families, especially with your background, your PhD. Is that all? Do you, would you kind of if you were to like look at it, would it, fear be the thing that really is is what causes all of this? Uh, yeah, fear, uh, I think, is is a big part of the, of the soup that we've been swimming in for the, and, and of course the media and people that we trust. I mean, you yeah. know, you think back to Milgram's uh, experiment, right. Where you, where you have an actor put on a white lab coat right, and telling uh, the test subject to continue to test and turn up the dial on the, the electrical voltage yes. right? to, to lethal level. Yes. And more, just more than half of the people were willing to, to do what a guy in a lab, in a lab coat told them because they thought, mm-hmm. Hey, this guy knows I trust this person because of the status of being a yeah. medical professional or, or what seemed to be. And so I think we trusted, yeah. um, our, our government, we mm-hmm. trusted our medical, uh, institutions. And what, it was really weird to see, um, people that were, that tended to lean on the liberal side of things that had been pretty skeptical of drug companies, all of a sudden start trusting in Pfizer and Moderna. And that was kind of as, and it was from a sociological perspective, it's been fascinating to, to Mm -hmm. be living in this last three years. Um, and, and sad as well, but, uh, but what a, what a moment to, whether you're social psychology or sociology Mm -hmm. to, to observe what, what we've been through. You know, because I, I felt it kind of interesting myself. I have a, I have a, I have a Doberman that I have an unhealthy relationship with. I probably love him more than you should. Uh, of course, our kids are grown, so I kind of pour that into there. Um, <laughs> he spoils. If him. I took him to, to the to the vet, there's always vaccinations things that they're coming up with. I always kind of put tap the brakes on him a little bit. Does he need that? And what's going on? And, you know, what's this kind of for? stuff. But, yeah. but if they had a brand new one, they said, "Hey, there's something running through the the dog community." He's, you know, it's you know less than a. I don't know what the, the survivability rates are, you know, 0.0009% chance that Doberman might uh, die from this, but we got, un, you know, untested experimental medication we'd love to give him. I'd be like, no, you're not going to give my dog an untested 
emergency use authorization medication. I love my dog. Are you crazy? You know, I mean, in a, in a normal situation with no outside pressure, mm-hmm. there's no way. You know, now if I had to walk through a line of people like taunting me or shaming me going in and you need to do this, you need to do this. And if you're, you're. Or showing you their dead dog on the way in. Hey, I, this my dog Yeah, died. you know, my I'd be like, died. and I get in there and they present it. I'm like, I don't know. It seemed like a very good idea, but you know, and they got pictures right, up yeah. everywhere. You know, everywhere yeah, in the so vet's yeah. office, they had, you know, if you like your dog, you'll get the shot. And, you know, I mean, right. I, I might, I might do something I wouldn't have normally done just using my brain based on the facts. Mm-hmm. What, what, yeah, what comes to mind is along with Milgram's study, you have Ash's group conformity study, right? Which, which two thirds of the people, if there were, were enough people down the line saying, yeah, this is what, what I'm seeing. And half of that two thirds know, knows they're not, accurate but they'll go along with the group anyway yep. just to avoid mm-hmm. being sanctioned or mm-hmm. uh but but half of that two-thirds will also say i must be wrong they must be right because they they're, that's what they're saying and then they doubt that they doubt what their own eyes are seeing so mm-hmm. yeah that group conformity and peer pressure is powerful mm-hmm. yeah and we just have never had a place i don't know we're conditioned as a species for this because in the past, you know, maybe I'd get an opinion from my uncle. I have a neighbor across the street. We would talk about something, but there'd be limited input points, you know, where, man, now, you know, social media looks at this. You got the radio while you're driving. There's news. It, it's, it's such a noisy world. We were looking at, at clips of you preparing for the show today of the Super Bowl, and it only jumped out at my son. He goes, wow, the screen's pretty clear. Because now, because you speed up the, the, the game and the score. Well, now it's the game, the score, the fantasy numbers or stuff across. It's like stressful just looking at a football game today because there's just so much data. You know, we're watching the you know, the Super Bowl you're playing, you know, against the Patriots. And it's like, it's the game and John Madden and the score. You know, it's just everything is so, mm-hmm. so much data coming at you. We're not even programmed to how to defend ourselves against this. So it's like walking around in the winter with no coat a little bit mentally. Yeah, and then and then you've got different point of views, but you know most people are sitting in their silos, um, and mm-hmm. I think on both sides of the aisle we tend to do sure. that. Although although studies indicate you know that typically conservatives tend to be a little bit more broadly informed or well informed, especially about government. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to get out of your silos. You got to kind of see what what's what's out there, and I think you know if you and if you stay in it long enough, you start to be able to read between the lines. You start to pick up certain cliches and keywords that you're like, mm, I know what that means. You yeah. know, I, I can read between the lines, but it takes a while. And again, I go back to just fear and, and the message that just mm-hmm. kept getting promoted, 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 which, you know, that's social psychology and propaganda. Um, yeah. And we, it, we got to a point where, you know, you're going to die. You better lock down. Yeah. You better wear a mask or you're going to, and then it became, uh, you better take the shot or you're going to die. But, mm-hmm. but the data was, um, was contradictory to that, to what the public um, narrative was being put out by the experts. Right. When people go to voiceformedicalfreedom.com, what do they look for when they go there? What, what would you, why did you create Voices for Medical Freedom? Originally, John and I got together and we said, let's get some voices that have some status and, and uh, you know, social some social capital, and let's see if we can't get... Um, mostly athletes, but also entertainers, doctors, um, and see if we can't get a group and, and really to help inform, inform that group. 
and help uh, mm-hmm. educate and then encourage them, give them opportunities like, like you guys are giving me to, to stand up and have a voice and, and a voice that says, you know, Hey, I, I believe you. Um, I hear you, um, whether you're injured or whether you're standing up and feel like you're alone in your views. Um, and there's still a lot of people, you know, that in their families, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, we've mm-hmm. done the research. We're looking at the research. Um, a lot of people, I think, are, are suffering from what we call cognitive dissonance, where they're so entrenched in their belief that no amount of, of data and science mm-hmm. is going to. And of course, then if you have a guy like Dr. Anthony Fauci actually proclaiming he is science, yeah. right. which, which is like, whoa, that's like religious. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Well, some, some thoughts you have, you just don't say out loud, even if you think it. Sometimes what was the comedian say? Sometimes your inside voice flips out, becomes your outside voice. Yeah. That's a, it's an inside voice thing. You know, it's like, I think I don't think his, his filter works a little bit. Well uh, said, well now, said. Now, yeah. You jumped on our radar because uh, uh, I subscribe to the Epic Times uh, app on my phone and I still get their tangible paper. I subscribe to the Epic Times. I get it every weekend. They have like a a paper. It's, I don't know. It's old school. Coffee. My kids give me a hard time. They're like, you know, hey, you kind of look like a grandpa with that. Well, I am a grandpa. <laughs> uh, but I like the physical paper. I get it to flip through it. And you have sections. You got the A section, the B section. I have to show them how a paper works. <laughs> but <laughs> they got the sports page. You got the funny. Yep. You just be like, yep. you look forward to it. We had such a simple life growing up. I looked forward to the funny section. You know, sure. and if you, don't even know what, if you don't know what a funny section is, then, you know, you're too young and you missed out on, on a golden era. But <laughs> you need your grandpa to tell you yeah, about it. Yeah. Funny sections is something to look forward to. To the peanuts and whatnot, but, but anyway, they did a, a feature. It was kind of a follow up on on uh, vaccine side effects. I think it was mm-hmm. sp- spawned by by the Demar Hamlin situation and, and and kind of ongoing. But your name jumped out and it got me researching your work because you're just bringing common sense mm-hmm. information to this conversation. Um, it was an incredible piece. We'll put a link to it down below. People should read this uh, piece. I did a, a segment on it um, as well. I, we'll put we, that interview down below. Put that, as well. put that, that, that down good. below. But, mm-hmm. but kind of g- give us your, your take on the current situations in the NFL. And I, the, what I called the piece I did was this, the NFL sort of has a Damar Hamlin sized elephant in the room of, of, Hey, we got to We got to, you know, look at, at this. And it's interesting though, when that happened, um, it's like there was a bank robber and there was five convicted felons near the bank at the time. And the police showed up and saying, okay, we're going to investigate this except for that one guy, but we're going to look at four possible crime. But, it, but no matter what, it wasn't Bob Smith. He didn't rob the bank. Like, <laughs> like, like they, so they go in there's a tragedy that happens and they'll say, Hey, we're going into this, but for sure, before we begin looking for sure, it had nothing to do with this. There might be other reasons, mm-hmm. but that's our investigative scientific approach. So what, what is it like through your lens and maybe share with some of the insights that you had in the Epic times article? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I was watching the game, uh, uh, Monday night when DeMar Hamlin, um, you know, went down and, uh, it was really interesting because, you know, of course everything stops and the yeah. announcers mm-hmm. are trying to figure it out. And, and my wife, I mean, they still stay in really close touch through text messaging. You know, and a lot of the people that, that were in the group early on, they have this group they call Q8, kind of the eight original, at least half of them are doctors. And so wow. she immediately got a text message from one of the doctors in her mm-hmm. group of injured her vaccine injured group. Mm-hmm. And, and the text said, you watch, this is a doctor texting this. They're going to call this commodio cordis, but it's not. Wow. And, 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 and about two minutes later, the announcers come on and that's the narrative that's been put in place by the media 
who's who you know we give a lot of of status to Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's not is because just like you're seeing you know demar has a chance to stand up adjust his face mask and yeah that's not at least typical of it's not something you would diagnose if you really knew Mm -hmm. what you were you know if you're really in tune with with that diagnosis but they had to come up with something it was scary it transcended sports everybody the world was on that immediately whether you're a football fan or, or not instagram within an hour begins censoring any comment Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that, yeah, the medical institutions in our government and, and our government, uh, yeah, I'm sure they were on it pretty quick. And and that became came kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Dr. McCullough came out and, and, and told us, yeah, this is probably very unlikely because mm-hmm. that's not how it, it presents itself. So something else is going on. And so I talked to Senator Johnson uh, within a couple of days and he said, you know, maybe, maybe um, offer, he goes, I can connect uh, the, your NFL players association. I can connect them with doctors. And so I said, gosh, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. Good. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so not a politician. Yeah. Yeah. Johnson. You're, you're too, you're too full of common sense and critical. <laughs> yep. You're exactly that right. Is, that's exactly yeah. right. And so, uh, so I, you know, made a couple calls and I actually had a teammate that I played with who's in upper management of the PA. And so I got a hold of him and I said, Hey, look, I, you know, I know you guys got your own doctors and, but what happens is, and you have to, right. If you're in the, if you're the league or a team or a player or the union, you have mm-hmm. to insulate yourself because everybody's trying to get a piece of you, yep. you know, mm-hmm. sell you on something, but you, then you build these high walls and they get thick and they get high. And the only people that are dropping uh, nuggets into your silo are the the status quo. And I said, you know, look, I can get you some doctors. I mean, world renowned like Dr. McCullough and, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Cole. And I can get you people that, you know, they've, they're like top experts. And so at least have a conversation or right. discussion. That's what I'm offering to the, to the union or anyway. So at, um so that was kind of going on behind the scenes, and I was kind of keeping a low profile on that. And then I had um, a medical journalist get a hold of me and connect me with um, the person in that um, epic uh, Epoch Times article, which mm-hmm. and I subscribed to it too. What a great, what a great publication! Yeah, they, they, they really seem to call balls and strikes well. Yeah. They they do a good job. Mm-hmm. Reliable. Yeah, course. I mean, yeah, history <laughs> has proven them to be really, really um, buttoned down and accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then got a hold of Leslie Manukian, um, got connected with her and uh, Freedom Health Defense Fund. And uh, she had, unbeknownst to me and me unbeknownst to her, she had written a letter to uh, the president of the Players Association, written, yeah, there's a letter right there, mm-hmm. written an incredible letter uh, with the scientific you know, links and evidence Mm -hmm. and data. And so, uh, we're, you know, so we had a great conversation with her, John and I did, and, uh, we're trying to work on, you know, some kind of, uh, next step on that. So we're hoping to, and not only just, not only the NFL, but all sports organizations, including the NCAA. I mean, at least, you know, at least to some degree, um, I've talked to a couple of players, talked to a couple of retired players. Who, they're worried about their own, their heart, you know, after the. Sure, the of course. They're saying, you know, they're, they're calling me. I'm like, oh, I'm not a doctor, but, but, you know, we, we've talked to some doctors about it and they're like, yeah, you can get a screening, an MRI. Mm-hmm. 
And if you think, you know, if, if, if you felt something when you got the shot and you felt a little something or you feel a little uneasy and because that spike protein or, or the capsules that are mm-hmm. in or, mm-hmm. you know, you had some kind of a, you felt even a minor reaction. If you're concerned and it's been less than, you know, six months and you, you took a booster or a shot or something, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you want to and all and all that we're that we're promoting is at least have a conversation and sure. cons- consider a voluntary, a voluntary program that, pro- that provides an opportunity for players to get screened. It's, that's a tough one because, you know, like, uh, I, I, I liken it to fighter pilots, you know, that yeah. think I was, mm-hmm. bo- I was born to be a fighter pilot. This what I love. It's my passion. Right. And I don't want to, if something's wrong with me, I don't want to know yeah. because you're going to ground me. Yeah, and I just love it too. Yeah, you referenced that in the article. It's really yeah. a, a perfect example. Um, uh, there, what do you see happening as this goes on? Because we got another off season, and kind of like the first wave you saw did was more women, mm-hmm. you know, with the the more neurological issues with the clotting. You brought up some significant numbers about the direct impact on young athletic men. Yeah, well, you can see in that uh, in that scroll, you can see this increase increased uh, incidence of collapsing and death by athletes. And so, hey, Colton, if we the, go back to the graph at the top of this, these are all specific I think it's 1700, cases. Right? It's a little over seventeen hundred here. Yeah, so a seventeen hundred percent increase to the peak, and, and that's in comparison to a pre-COVID baseline that. Um, was established by the Lucerne, Switzerland study, and, and that was published in 2006. And and uh, they had tried to do as much as they could to get as much international data as they could on athletes and heart uh, issues. And uh, and so that baseline was 2.35 athletes per month collapsed and died. Um, so what I did was I took the good sciencing data and I went through, and they had collected because of because of our internet and social media world, they scoured uh, and and received and they have you can get onto good science and then that's the images we're seeing right there, mm-hmm. um, and they have every single athlete that that they've accounted for and links to the stories, wow. and, and you know obviously there's some I mean you don't know for sure if they you know in some cases you don't know for sure if they took the, sure. the vaccine jab or not the shot in some cases you do what but. You know, that's that's medical information, so you're not going to get all of it. But they're doing the best they can to collect it, right? So what I did was I took all that and because the Lucerne study was 35 and under. So with this, with the good sciencing data that they collected over the last uh, couple of years, um, I, I limited it to 35 and under. And so there was a 1,700% increase uh, just, in, you know, to the spike in, in 2021. And of course, that came down a little bit, but then it leveled off at uh, almost ten times the pre-COVID baseline, wow. and that should be alarming. And of course, Senator Johnson and John Stockton, um, both of them spoke out about that in uh, early 2022, and just got hammered, you know, by right. all the mm-hmm. fact checkers. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Senator Senator Johnson connected me with Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post, and I. And that was still pretty early on, so the data was still kind of coming in, but it, it, it pointed everything pointed to an increase in and in the spike of that that we just saw that was already in place. And I told uh, I told the reporter from the from uh, the post, I said, uh, I said, look, 
the first thing I said was, you know, before we, you know, we started talking, I said, before mm-hmm. we get any further, you know, you're a fact checker. What fact? So I know the context. What fact? Great question. Right. Great. Yeah. And and he said, well, I'm not really checking a fact. (laughs) I was like, wow. Okay. Well, you're just, you are just reinforcing everything I've come to to think and learn about fact checkers these days. But okay. Well, that's a tough job. You don't have a fact, but you're, what? So he goes, well, I'm, I'm checking, I'm fact checking something he said. And I go, okay, great. I mean, tell me the quote. Yeah. And, and he said, well, I don't really have the quote. It's not the quote. It's what he means by what he said. Oh, I'm my like, goodness. Wow. So now you got, you're not checking a fact. You're checking an interpretation of what somebody said. And I said, look, here, here's the thing. I go, I'm a social scientist, right? And and you don't need to be a PhD or a social scientist. We all look at society and we make observations. And so you, you see a pattern in society. Mm-hmm. You observe a pattern. And if that pattern changes, then you go, okay, I see something here. Something's changed. I'm going to make a hypothesis. And to me, that's what Senator Johnson was doing. He said, I think something, something concerning is going mm-hmm. on here. We should study it. I'm like, my gosh, Glenn Kessler, this is what? This is basic scientific methodology. And now we should go study it and see. I mean, it's alarming enough, and and it seems to be an obvious pattern. But at least let's let's go see if the yeah. if the right. research will support the hypotheses. It's pretty pretty scientific. What is the current vaccination uh, requirement in the NFL? Is it the same? Is it lessened? Have they loosened up at all? Or is it was it... just that one? It was just that one year. And, so there and, there and, currently and, is not. It, it's mm-hmm. it's each player's choice moving forward at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's and, good. And, yeah, and by the end of that one season where they put that in place, most guys that I talked to that were coaches or players or former, I mean, they were so happy to be done. I mean, the minute the season was over, they took down all the plexiglass, they got rid of everything, and, and they were like, I am so glad to be yeah. most of the people yeah. behind the scenes were so glad to be done like the rest of us yeah are. it's sure. always so silly to see how players on the sideline masked up trying to talk to each other then they run on there and they tackle each other and you're just like <laughs> that is so stupid where is the science uh, you might as well say <laughs> or, when, yeah, when, you're, or the, when you're on the sideline you have to go like this you have yeah. to put your finger on your nose around the sideline so it'll protect you, you. The game. it's yeah. like okay whatever it takes yeah. <laughs> well i know when they did that orlando bubble for the nba right it's like you're out on the court playing and and then you get to the sidelines. You got to put all this mask on. When so I was stupid. I was coaching football that first, and you got these high school kids who who the contagion rate was almost nothing. Yep. The the you know the the risk of death was almost zero, if not. I mean, a lot of people just say it's so minus, you know uh, so minor. It was almost yep. it was, might, as, might as well be zero. They're they're trying to play football with helmets on and wearing masks, and, and referees are calling games and telling people <laughs> you got to put your mask on the right way because it's like me. That's oh ridiculous. my god! Yeah, I think we will look back at that, and that will be probably there'll be whole specialties of social science, you know, yeah. dedicated to that. You know, when people come to a fork in the road, they don't always take the hardest route. Um, I just want to thank you for taking the right yeah. route in this. You have you had a lot more to probably gain personally by just being quiet and just go looking the other way. But um, you have taken some of those arrows. I think maybe God did prepare you. You know, mm-hmm. when you've been booed by seventy thousand people at one time, you know. Uh, <laughs> It's got to condition you a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, you know, being yeah, being an offensive lineman, right? This is this is what you get: holding, 
number 75 <laughs> yeah. off sides, number seven, you know, that, and oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's when you get your name mentioned <laughs> or you gave up a sack. <laughs> well, the best compliment you get as, a, as an offensive lineman, people say, if I tell them, Hey, I had Ken Rutgers on a show, they're like, who's that? Yeah. That's how freaking good that's he is. That's how good he that's is. That's why he's in the hall of fame. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be the most famous offensive lineman, probably for sure. No. Uh, you know, as it At goes, least not one that your name's mentioned all the time. No, but we thank you for doing the right thing. I'd, I'd love for you to come back. There's so many things we'd like to talk to you. You're an expert on, on, on fatherhood, on the on the transitioning for people moving careers right now. Now, more people are changing careers, changing fields. Yes. People, the, the jobs people have done in the past are now becoming irrelevant because of AI. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many things that are happening. We're in a changing world. You'd be a great voice on a lot of topics. I thank you for what you're doing. We'd love to have you back again. You and John Stockton, um, I'm telling you, you guys are going to be looking really good as time comes along for having the courage to go against the grain when very few were. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, David and Stacey, and thank you guys for what you're doing. If anything we can do to help, let us know, because, uh, yeah, we definitely want to keep keep encouraging people like you to stand up and speak out. We want to keep encouraging athletes to do the same. Mm -hmm. So, exactly then go to VoicesOfMedicalFreedom.com, right. and you can also check out the podcast, Voices for Medical Freedom, and uh, all the links are down below. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. <sighs> How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones? No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. He's still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.